If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnBest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I want you to meet Stephanie Kirkpatrick, founder and CEO of Orem, the platform for frictionless money movement. Stephanie founded Orem in 2019 to make money movement smart and real time. Stephanie is a digital executive and seasoned entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience. I had the pleasure of first meeting Stephanie when she worked on my leadership team at LearnBest. After LearnBest was acquired, she went on to oversee the digital innovation portfolio at Northwestern Mutual, including patent and technology serving 4 million clients across a 32 billion revenue line of business. She also served as VP of Digital Strategy and Growth for SoulCycle, where she led the $100 million incubation of a new digital business. I'm incredibly proud to have backed Stephanie's venture as a founder with Orem. She's raised over $29 million to date and is working with best-in-class fintechs and financial services company to transform the way that money moves for us all. Stephanie is also a certified financial planner who is deeply passionate about the access that financial education can provide to everybody. And I'm so excited to welcome my dear friend, Stephanie. Welcome, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Alexa. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. You know, it means the world to me. I want to just quickly start with what is Orem in your own words and walk through the mission and goal of Orem. Sure. Our vision and our mission at Orem is to build for a world where money is literally smart, real time and fully automated. I'm a certified financial planner, so I've spent basically the last 20 years of my life obsessing over how we can fix financial problems for American households. And honestly, it boils down to people are committed. They want to do great things in their financial lives. No matter how much you have, a lot or a little, they're in. And the problem really boils down to like money moves slowly. Like it's pretty awful, actually. So Orem is on a mission to solve that. We want the financial system in the U.S. to be frictionless. And we want to build an embeddable infrastructure that really solves for real-time money movement. Our debut product, Foresight, is the first of its kind pre-authorization for ACH. So like, what is that? Think credit card swipe security, but for things like paying a mortgage or sending money to your brokerage account, something that has never existed in the 40 years that ACH has actually been around. And we've also actually just announced the launch of Momentum, which is our API-based real-time money movement platform. And what I'd say here is think about what Amazon did for packages, right? I don't know if it got to me through UPS, FedEx, DHL, USPS, Carrier Pigeon. I just know it got here tomorrow. We do that for money right? We think about not how to move the money, but how fast. And we make it super simple via APIs for our banks and our partners, fintechs, investment platforms to hook up and literally never have to spend another minute building integrations to banks or complex systems. It's literally all managed in the same smart way that Amazon manages how fast we get packages. I absolutely love that analogy to Amazon. I think it's fantastic, Steph. So, okay, let's step back. Orem is tackling the complex world of financial infrastructure. 
Tell us a little bit more about what you view the future world looking like. Once ORM is built, what is not only the path to solving this problem, but what does this mean for everyday people walking around America with their wallet? Such a good question. Listen, <laughs> as a financial planner and as someone who primarily built consumer products, I never thought I'd be solving infrastructure. Like I actually didn't even know a lot about it. But let me just step back and say, my aha moment is kind of thinking about the fact that like we can get a massage on demand on an app in our house inside of an hour. And it's still going to take five days for my own money to get from Bank of America to Wells Fargo, right? And like, that's just fundamentally wrong. So I was really curious, like, why is that a problem? As a CFP, I've been obsessed about, you know, helping people with their money for my whole career, but I never really understood like what makes it tick. And so the path to solving this problem is to really understand like the friction. People are literally afraid to put money into emergency savings. And I saw this all day long as a financial planner across 6 million households at Northwestern Mutual, where we were building financial planning tech and at LearnVest, people literally won't put money into an emergency savings that's in like a higher yield specialty account where they can actually earn a tiny bit more interest because they can't access it instantly if they have an emergency, like blows my mind. And banks are literally making like $11 billion a year, billion, billion dollars a year in overdraft fees. They just charge consumers for a problem that they fundamentally created. And money doesn't move instantly is now the burden of the customer to keep track of, right? It's just, it's fundamentally broken. So what we did is we said, listen, um, let's solve the basic, basic issue. And we've all had an overdraft or two in our lives, right? This isn't about income per se, although honestly, that is a huge factor and it can be very expensive to be on the lower income spectrum with a system like this. So we took a look at the entire landscape and I just couldn't believe as I kind of dug in here, the fact that money was moving in such an antiquated way, right? If I move money and it takes five days, that means that like, I'm never going to get my payroll on time. So people had to build around it. We had to build payday advance and we had to build all kinds of things that probably don't need to exist. Um, and so honestly, the problem that we're solving is just getting money into your hands instantly. If you have a thousand dollar insurance claim for a car accident, you're going to have that in 15 seconds. If you want to put money from your bank account into your brokerage account, because it's the right day to do that for you in the markets, like you should be able to do that 24, seven, 365. Let's not even talk about the fact that Americans, many Americans who need the money very badly are still waiting on checks and debit cards that got mailed out for government support over the time in which we've been in the pandemic, like mailed out. This all should have been instant. So we see this really transforming the American wallet. We think that infrastructure is the path to solving, not for 5 million customers that download a new app, it's the path to solving this problem for hundreds of millions of American households. I love it, obviously. And one thing I want to quickly inject here um, for full disclosure, um, I am an investor in ORM and I'm the chairwoman of ORM. And I think one of the things I was most excited about early days was watching and chatting with Steph as she thought about trying to solve this problem and just how big her vision really, really was and how powerful it was. So Steph, I want to transition to those early days. You had, first of all, you know, spent, call it about a decade at LearnVest. And so I can speak to your character in a hundred million ways and think you're an absolute force of nature. And then you went over to SoulCycle and then you decided to make the leap to go and build a business. Talk just a little bit about for all the other fellow founders out there who are thinking about taking that jump what steeled you? What gave you the courage? What got you excited? Or was it just like, let's go, I'm, I'm ready to go? What was that emotional transition like for you? 
Oh, that's such a good question. There's so much here. Um, listen, I want to solve hard problems every day that change lives. When I got a chance to start really doing that in my career, I realized I could never just have a job, right? I had to be an entrepreneur. I had to be in a seat where my job was to solve hard problems, high impact problems for companies and for individuals. And so being a founder is scary. It's exhilarating. It's like all the emotions, kind of like parenthood, actually. And I love the feeling of taking on something totally unknown and finding the path forward. I think if you're wired for that, you know, you get that click when you start to see what you've been dreaming about, begin to work with customers. You get that moment when you look around the room and see a phenomenal team who cares about the problem as much as you do. And day one, it was just taking the first step, right? Just like any other thing, getting over your imposter syndrome, which lives in all of us, men and women alike, getting over the fear that it's going to be hard because honestly it is. So just get over it. And just believing that if you care enough about the problem, you will solve it. And if you hire the right people who care about that problem as much as you do and who know more about the market, anything is possible. I actually always thought I'd be a great number two. Becoming a founder was a totally leap of faith for me personally. And I actually didn't do it till I was almost 40. So I have a lot of scraped knees and elbows. I've had heartbreak on all the hard things. And I did all that before. And now I know that whatever comes and the hard things will come, we just keep going. And so I think that's really, it's just, it's, it's in your heart that you wake up every day and believe there will be a problem and I will solve it. I love it. We're going to come back to your can-do attitude in a moment. So again, you're a certified financial planner, one of the, the absolute best, and you've always cared about the mission of the American consumer, the American wallet. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing the American wallet today? And you know, how do you think Orem is laying the tracks to begin to help those? You know, there are so many heartbreaking challenges in our financial system, right? The fact that those who have less struggle to have more. And if you just look back on what's happened, you know, even in the last quarter, you know, as we've gotten into a very busy year, you think about what's going on in America's households around their access to liquidity, their access to their savings, access to money when they need it the most, the ability to put money into a bank or brokerage account, even sharing money bank to bank between my husband and I, like moving money from a spouse's account to your own can be wildly complicated or to your kids. So what really gets me up and makes me think is like, why aren't 95% of our financial lives fully automated? You know, why do I have to have $3,000 to make my first investment at Vanguard? What if I had an extra dollar or 10? And there was a system that was automatically thinking about the best place to put that extra $10, not at the end of the month, but literally today, in the middle of the day when it's available. What if my account balance had rules that if it ever was over a certain amount, even by a dollar or two, that could go towards my highest risk debts, like credit cards, which literally accrue interest every day. Like mathematically, it'd be so much better for American households. America's trapped in a debt cycle. They're setting aside credit cards. There's literally $14 trillion of just student loan debt that has to be optimized. And I think Americans are really disadvantaged from the perspective of knowing where to put it, when to put it, how to do it, and how to pull it off and do it in a way that is not taking them away from their day-to-day. Like, think about it. When do you think about money? You think about it at like night and on the weekends when the entire system is closed. That's why money has to move 24-7, 365. Let's talk a little bit about this future self-driving wallet that I I know in our hearts, both of us want to see built. We want to see it automated for everybody. And a little bit of that was the origin of your idea for Aurum. So let's just go back a little bit to 
what do we want to see with the self-driving wallet? What does that look like in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think this idea that the wallet is self-driving, it's it sounds kind of like future state, but I actually think it's coming sooner than we think. Like I think the next couple of years, we're gonna be living in a world in which money flows like water. You know, think about something as simple as like the three or four most important things to you in your financial life. And whether or not it's your bank, your financial advisor or financial planner, whether or not it's you choosing that path, what if you could just set it and forget it? What if, you know, you could just say, every time I have an extra $10, automate it so that that $10 divides across my five most important priorities. Saving money, investing, paying off debt, being prepared for the future, those things are all a derivative of just slowly, thoughtfully attacking and and saving for the right outcomes. And the more that we can automate that for Americans, the better it's going to be. And we need to get to a place where we can do things where it's there's not a penalty. If you want to repay a car loan or even a mortgage, the banks charge you a penalty for that. But why? Right? You should be able to repay anytime, anywhere, as quickly as you want. We want American households to be out of debt. We want to kind of restructure the financial system. So I think everything that Orem is doing is really focused on finding all of those places where we can create optimization at the infrastructure level so that mortgage lenders, banks, insurance companies can literally build the best products and that you're never going to be in a situation where the thing that you need the most in that moment in time isn't available. Just think about a weekend, you're sitting down doing your finances and you're paying off your credit card, right? That's your spending power. If that's going to take five days to credit, you literally can't charge another thing on that credit card until it's paid off. What if you had an emergency? Like it's just this vicious cycle, right? Of like slow, sticky stuff, friction in the system and it can all be removed and we would build better products. We would absolutely have lower priced financial services and we would have a much healthier American wallet. And I really think the future is here. Like the technology exists, the opportunity is now and the ability to really make these changes. It's not sci-fi, it's literally reality and we're ready to do it. If we rewind, let's go back, help everybody understand how big the problem with ACH is. So there's about 11,000 institutions that sit on ACH and it moves about over five days. And then there's RTP rails, real-time payment rails that Steph, how many institutions sit on today? Technically that can use it fully about 20 banks. Which is wild. So that's real-time payment rails. 11,000 are on, you know, these old ACH rails that were actually designed in 1971. So we are all, every American walking around is, we're still leveraging a technology system that's actually 50 years old. Talk a little bit about the problem more, Steph, to help everybody understand, for, for everybody who doesn't geek out on fintech infrastructure, help people understand how wild the problem is, how much money moves on ACH. Yeah, so I was actually surprised too, because ECH is this thing that lives in the background. When we are using money, we usually think about cash or checks or credit cards, mostly credit cards these days. And then you're like, what is ACH? What does it power? Well, to put it in perspective, it powers $62 trillion worth of money movement, as you said, across over 11,000 different financial institutions. The way that a mortgage gets paid, my rent gets to my landlord, the way that my Verizon bill gets auto-debited or my Con Edison bill gets taken from my account, the way that money for payroll goes from my company Orem to ADP to then to the employee, that's all done via ACH. It's a massive, massive part of our financial system. And as you said, it's on literally like a 50-year-old system. The most recent innovation was the ATM, where you could get money out on the weekends. So we've got a long ways to go. And this idea that we should build a new set of rails, real-time payments, 
is really new and it's going to take time for people to get there. So we're enabling the ability to get to real-time payments faster, easier, lower cost. Banks and financial institutions, they don't have $50 million and you know a handful of engineers to go rebuild an entire internal system. So the way we thought about Orem was to say, let's take this massive problem, $62 trillion of money, up to 15% of the time, the transactions are actually going to fail because there wasn't even money in the customer account in the first place. That's called an NSF or an overdraft happens. That means $9 trillion literally has to be figured out later. Like, let's just stop having that be the problem. So if we build a pre-authorization before you do the ACH, can we speed up money movement? The answer is yes. 85% of customers, money could actually move almost instantly. That's an aha without even changing the system. And can we make this ubiquitous? Can we make it via API, super easy to integrate so that people are not struggling with the sort of impact today of money taking five days to get anywhere. And so that we can stop charging consumers billions, literally over $11 billion a year in things like overdraft fees that are totally predatory. So when I think about real-time payments, you know, the complexity here isn't just real-time payment rails, it's all the other things, check, wire, ACH, like there's so many ways to move money. So I think the answer is, and this is this was our aha. It's like, why isn't someone building this as a service? Like I said, like Amazon made it easy to just get the package tomorrow. Why is my money not doing that? And so that's literally what we're doing is we're making it not about moving from ACH to RTP. We're making it about a smart system that knows when it should go ACH, when it should go RTP, when it should go wire, when it should be something else. And that simplifies the entire system. So Americans never have to think about it. And banks and financial institutions have a far more optimal, smarter way to know what they should do that actually passes through better economics so they can build better financial products. Steph, as you think about that, fast forward five years for Orem, the infrastructure is built, money can move now faster. What could sit on top of that? What could the future look like? I mean, we're going to build so many things, right? If you look at what other companies have done in the financial innovation space just in the last few years, when you have data and intelligence and you have smart ways to get money from point A to point B, I think, first of all, we'll unwind things that we've been relying on, like bank accounts that offer you a payday advance because you'll literally get paid at the end of the day or the end of your shift. And you won't have to pay extra for that, right? That will just be the way it is. Like you'll have really fluid access to your income and money will flow like water. You'll get out of an Uber. And as the customer, the, the rider, you're going to be able to tip the driver and pick from three or four things that matter to them financially. And your tip will go straight to their kid's college fund or to pay off the car loan for the car they're driving. By making this super efficient, that normally would have had to go to Uber, to then to the driver, to then to the driver's bank account, to then the driver's lender. We can make it go straight to the lender. We can cut costs and we can speed up value to American households. So I think when you fast forward, you know, the types of things that are going to get built are going to be wildly different. Today, you sit down and you think about your like money and how it needs to flow. In the future, you're going to sit down and check that it's doing all the things you want it to do and add and change the variables, but you won't ever have to hit send. You won't ever have to log in and make the decision. I think that's actually the right answer, right? It's not that you want to take away all the control. You never take away the control. Money's super emotional. As a CFP, I can't tell you how emotional it is, but you do want to make it automated. Like self-driving cars are are here because the technology exists. Self-driving money should be the exact same thing. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carden knows this too. 
That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. I want to ask one last big question. Orem has been so, so fortuitous on its funding cycle and just the amount of interest in what you're building. And I think people see how big the vision is. Just walk us through a little bit of your financing story and narrative and how you thought about capital. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're building a business like this, you think about like, how fast can I go? How many people is it going to take to get there? And building infrastructure is hard, right? It isn't like all things. It's not an overnight success. I think it, it, it will take us 10 years of hard work. And I want this to be my life's legacy to build everything that we possibly can to change the system. And, and right now we're literally touching tip of the spear. So the way we thought about fundraising is to say, listen, I can't self-fund it. So we probably need to raise capital because it's a big problem. And importantly, how can we go out and pick the absolute right investors for each stage of the business? And there are people that are specializing in certain stages of companies. There's people that specialize in fintech versus consumer. So we looked at the landscape and really drew on who do we want to be when we grow up as a company? What are the investors that at the very beginning can help us get through the early years? And those were the right partners, right? And so I'm thrilled to have investors like Inspired Capital, like Homebrew, like Acrew, like Bain Capital Ventures, who led our most recent round, be at the table to help us build the absolute best business we can. It's not just about the products. It's about watching for blind spots. It's about understanding what to do as you grow a team from literally zero, me, nobody, to today 45 in a remote setting and everything in between. I love it, Steph. So I want to transition to you. Um, this is, you know, you've been entrepreneurial, uh, as I've said in the past, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand for a decade. Now you're in the seat, you're the founder, you're the CEO, and I would love just to get a sense of your personal hacks that you've learned. For everybody out there, Steph is whoop obsessed. She's a, a serious uh, um, athlete. Tell us a little bit of what hacks you've developed over now the past 18 months of sitting in the seat as CEO. Literally sleep, therefore literally obsessed with my whoop. Um, I bought three new whoop bands the other day and I was like so excited. Um, and I love my whoop because it's not just about being an athlete, right? Like good sleep, good nutrition, good hydration. I am almost 40. I have two kids under age five and I'm building a startup. Like I can't, I can't work 24 seven. I want to, my heart's in it 24 seven, but I actually have to sleep and I'm a better person. I'm a better thinker. I'm a better founder. I'm a better leader and I'm a better parent and spouse. Um, so that's super important to me. Um, and I really make time for that. Like I forego things at night and I go to bed early if I can. I just really try to focus on like personal well-being. I exercise and I just, I think self-care in general and mental well-being is super, super important. Like we just can't go 24 seven and we shouldn't build a company that is like that. We still have to go fast. And so that's one of my biggest ones. The other is really, honestly, you kind of have to have a dose of like believing in the impossible. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but there is always a way forward. So my hack is to say, if I hit a roadblock, like write it down, write down the pros, write down the cons, write down what I'm worried about, write down all the people I know that know about this problem and immediately call someone. I literally never solve a problem by myself. I call my network. I call my angel advisors. I call my board or I text them and, and they text me back immediately. And I just don't try to solve it by myself. 
I think as a founder, you feel really alone sometimes. And a hack is to say, you're never alone. You're literally surrounded by people that do this all day long. Call them and be brave enough to put your hardest, dumbest questions out there because they're actually not dumb. And they're the difference between figuring it out on your own the hard way and taking a long time versus fast forwarding through the problem. So those are probably my two best things, I would say, like in the founder seat that, that really helped me every day. Steph, one of my favorite things about you personally is two core things. You are exceptionally action-oriented and you are also absolutely a can-do positive attitude person. So those two things, extreme action-oriented and very can-do attitude, which I think helps you a lot through resilience when things always go wrong. But the grit piece, where do you think those come from? Where, like, where do you think they developed? Have they always been there? Were they learned? Did you get better at them over time? But like action-orientedness, can-do attitude, positivity, where do those two things come from? You know, I credit so much to my parents, honestly. Like my dad was born in the former Yugoslavia, was born in Europe in a time in which he lived through extreme strife in his early life. He was fortunate enough to get refugee stat status to come to America. And he and his family came speaking no English, not understanding the culture, escaping a war-torn country. And I think from that, for my whole life, both my mom and my dad have really inspired in me a sense of obligation that we should be giving back, that there's a civic component to everything we do. My mom worked for the federal government for her entire career. And I think this sort of positivity and hope is a derivative of seeing my own parents start with little, lead lives that were very humble in an effort to build for a future for their kids. Um, so I think that's certainly part of it. And then along the journey, I think you get grit when you're exposed early to being asked to do absolutely impossible things. And I think you're exposed to that when you raise your hand and you put yourself out there and you say, what's the biggest risk? The biggest risk is if I fail, what happens if I fail? Well, maybe I get fired. Okay, if I get fired, am I employable? Like you have to go through all those cycles and, and grit is, is not about um, you know, anything more than just saying like, I believe we can do it. And I believe everyone around me can do it too. And I'm going to instill in them that, that sheer belief. And then a healthy dose of ice cream when it feels really hard. <laughs> like I eat ice cream every night, like three pints a week. And I think secretly that actually just like, you can't, you literally can't eat ice cream and be mad or sad. Like it makes you feel better. <laughs> so when in doubt, eat ice cream. <laughs> okay. I want to quickly transition to our quick fire round here, Steph. And you basically, I'm going to ask you questions, answer them super quickly. What's your favorite question to ask an interviewer? What's your superpower? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> My kids, never at the time I want. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Um, fast forward two years, how many days a week do you think we're going to sit in an office? I think at Orem, the answer is going to be zero. Tell us the biggest startup or product of any kind that through COVID you adopted or uh, that you're excited about. Oh my God, the list is literally so long. I think one of the startups that I'm super excited about is actually on a similar mission to Orem in some ways. It's a company called Rightfoot, and they're focused on the student debt problem, which is, like I said before, a $14 trillion problem. And they're building APIs so that what I described about an Uber driver and rider where we could tip towards the driver's debt, like they're actually enabling that. It's not just about the money movement. There's a very specific piece to debt repayment that they've unlocked via API. And they're tackling a lot more than student debt. So I think just like the creativity and innovation in the team inspires me for seeing how the world is going to build better products around the things that have been dragging us down as Americans. So I think that's probably my like most exciting startup. And then 
from an app perspective, I'm just going to say whoop, even though I've already said it, because during COVID, I've spent a lot more time focused on sleep and health because I've had the time to do it without a commute. I'm never going back. I'm a better person. Um, with both of those things in my life and the data to tell me what's working and what isn't. I know Will Ahmed, he's been on this podcast and I think he will appreciate the the love and shout out there. Absolute last question, uh, favorite book that you've read that everybody should know about that's changed your life? The CEO Next Door. It was one of those books that like, I don't love management books and I don't think that they're all written in a way that we should all read. But this one was a really brilliant way to understand that CEOs can come from anywhere do not have to have pedigrees. I don't have a Harvard education. I wish I did. I think it is one of those books that said there's four ingredients and everybody has them. If you unlock it, how you unlock it, do you want to unlock it? Those are all questions you have to answer personally. But when I was thinking about my life's journey and I found this book, it it was a huge unlock for me um, in seeing that it would be possible when I felt ready to do it. And here I am as a founder and now CEO, leaning into things that I thought I couldn't do before. Steph, it is absolutely a pleasure um, to get to properly have you on this amazing uh, and fun podcast. Guys, if you want to learn more about Orem, check out Orem.io and you can join us next week for Inc. the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Let's thank Stephanie. Stephanie, with all my heart, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. What an honor. So glad to be here. 